All right. <laughs> Here we go. How are we doing, Tom? Well, finally, right? <laughs> it's all good. We're either, here. Either way, we're here and we'll get started. Um, so again, everybody, thank you for being patient. Um, I know that we had some people in here waiting to get started. And Tom, of course, thank you for being on the show, The Art of Mindful Medicine. Um, and my name is Dr. Seth Gilson. I'm a biological dentist, certified yoga teacher, speaker, and personal coach. And my special guest today is Tom Newmark. Uh, so Tom, for I'm sure uh, I would imagine most of us don't, don't know who Tom is, but he is a co-owner of Finca Luna Nueva Lodge, a farm and eco-lodge in the mountainous rainforest of Costa Rica that teaches regenerative agriculture. He is the co-founder and board chair of the Carbon Underground, uh, co-founder of the Soil Carbon Initiative, past board chair of the Greenpeace Fund USA, and a founding member of the Leadership Council of the Center for Regenerative Av Agriculture and Resilient Systems at California State University, Chico. Uh, he is also the past board chair of the American Botanical Council, publisher of the peer-reviewed journal Herbal Graham. And Tom was also the CEO of the dietary supplement brand, which I'm sure many people have heard of, called New Chapter, which was acquired by Procter & Gamble in 2012. And uh, in his past, Tom was also a corporate attorney from which he claims to be recovering from. And I can understand that. And Tom and his wife, Terry, have five children and six grandchildren. Tom, thank you very much for coming on here. Um, I really, really appreciate it. And get, just say hi and... Uh, then we can get started. Well, hi, everybody. And again, I apologize for my technological uh, <laughs> uh, inadequacies. I, <laughs> I was also, like you, surprised that I couldn't connect through my computer, right? Mm -hmm. But I have my, my cell phone, and here we are. Yeah, perfect. Uh, I, better late than never. So, um, right. as always, I, I always start all, all these talks and interviews with gratitude. So, if you could please tell us three things that you're grateful for today, Tom. I am I am uh, grateful for being alive at this moment where I feel an awakening. I I lived through the 60s. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm feeling the energy and the promise and the hopefulness. Uh, I'm feeling the uh, the uncertainty, mm -hmm. but also the the opportunity. Uh, it feels real now, mm -hmm. and I'm excited to be alive at this moment. I'm grateful that uh, my family and my friends are healthy and well mm -hmm. during this uh, time of uh, of COVID uh, uncertainty. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm grateful that there's spring in my step every morning because I know that there are reasons to be hopeful about how we can deal with the converging crises of climate, biological diversity, and, mm -hmm. and health. So those are my three. Absolutely. I think those are, those are a beautiful three. So um, I, I, could, I couldn't agree more. And um, so I, I, gave, I gave quite a, quite a lengthy intro for you. Um, and, and, I'm, and I'm really excited to have you on here because I know there, you're, you're heavily involved in, in several organizations and, and, and projects and have been in the past. Um, but what, tell people, what, what's your current focus right now? Uh, I wear carbon glasses. <laughs> I, I, I took them off because they don't work. Sure, they're, they're my carbon glasses. <laughs> I, I, um, I see the world through a lens of 
what we can do to potentially reverse climate change. Mm -hmm. um, and, and my focus, 100% uh, of my, my working attention is on how we can optimize our, our photosynthesis and regenerative agriculture worldwide so that we can not only create food abundance and economic security for farmers, but also draw CO2 down, put it back to work and the soil and potentially reverse climate change. Mm -hmm. So that's my focus. Everything we do at our farm, think Luna Nueva Lodge in Costa Rica, everything that we do in the NGO that I helped to co-found, the Carbon Underground, mm -hmm. all of the work that you described, it's all about taking advantage of this gift of sunlight and this gift actually of carbon dioxide mm -hmm. in the atmosphere and then putting it all together again in a way to recreate tilth and fertility in the soil. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm focused on. Absolutely. And um, I think that's beautiful. I mean, to me, me personally, I, I've really, the last few years, I've really started uh, studying and then looking into this topic. And I mean, it's of utmost importance, of course. I mean, it affects literally every, everybody and everything on the planet. Um, so that's why I'm truly, really, really excited and really, really grateful to, to have you on here. Um, so now that people kind of have an idea of what you do currently, um, I, I want to talk a little bit about you personally first. And I, obviously, I got to meet you now a little over a year ago at, at Finca Luna Nueva. And um, myself just observing you and, and, and the people around you, but more specifically you. And, and I know some others that were with us can attest to this. I mean, you're the type of person that... When you're done eating, you get up and, and you walk around and, and go greet everybody there, all the guests, and you just want to meet everybody that's there and, and, and you appreciate them being there and supporting this mission of yours, and, and, which is a beautiful thing. And um, the way you interact with the, the people that work for you and the, how, how grateful you are to them and how, much, how appreciative you are for them, it was just a beautiful thing to watch and see. And... I, I want to know a little bit more about you, like your personal story, where you're from, where your family's from growing up. Um, what, what, tell us a little bit about your life story. Well, it, I have a very long and checkered past, <laughs> uh, but I'm happy, to, I'm happy to share it with you. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> I was born a, a long time ago in St. Louis, Missouri, mm -hmm. um, and my father uh, was uh, an attorney mm -hmm. and uh and he was uh, a, a first generation uh uh american uh my grandparents uh came to this country fleeing uh uh in uh russia and poland mm -hmm. and uh uh well i have real real personal connection to the stories of, of people who come to the United States as a as a safe haven as a as a, a as a, a a place where hopes can be fulfilled. I take the the inscription at the base of the Statue of Liberty very seriously, mm -hmm. and I think that that's uh, the that's the the best angel of the United States, and that's what welcomed my family. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up thinking I would be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. 
My dad was a lawyer. Uh, my brother, Michael, uh, uh, is a lawyer. I have nephews and cousins and other family members who were uh, in the law. Uh, but then something happened mm -hmm. uh, in college, uh, the, you know, the 60s, the, <laughs> the Vietnam War protests, mm -hmm. uh, 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 mind expansion, meditation. And I, I started meditating. Mm -hmm. And I was uh, instructed uh, in January of 1973 in a system of meditation called transcendental meditation mm -hmm. that was uh, um, an important moment in my life and i uh, uh went off to graduate school uh, to study political philosophy and revolution but mm -hmm. while i was in graduate school i realized that what i really wanted to work on was a spiritual revolution for the world mm -hmm. so i dropped out of graduate school and I became a teacher of uh, Transcendental Meditation. Wow. And I spent uh, the next uh, three or four years of my life teaching meditation really all around the world. Beautiful. Uh, and it was, it was uh, a joyous uh, quest. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was my goal then to enlighten the world. Uh, and, uh, and then... I decided that I wanted to get married and, and have a family. And I, I made absolutely no money teaching meditation. And I thought, <laughs> well, what's plan B? Plan B was always there, you know, waiting for me to mm -hmm. be a lawyer. So I went to law school. And boy, talk about a shock. Because <laughs> you go from the, the practicing and folk and and expanding your awareness to the unbounded to the, the law, which is the law is a, a, a system of rules designed to protect the wealthy, mm -hmm. quite frankly, to protect the ruling class, to protect those with land and possessions and power. And I, uh, I surrendered to that for a long time. Mm -hmm. I practiced law for uh, almost 19 years, oh. and I had I had some clients that I was very proud of. Mm -hmm. uh, I represented, uh, speaking of the transcendental meditation movement, I represented the Natural Law Party when it oh. sought to uh, uh, elect someone as president that that brought a vision of unboundedness and of uh, respect for natural law into the political arena mm -hmm. and uh, the natural law party was denied access to the debates in 1996 hmm. and so i i took that case to uh the doorstep of the u.s supreme court i argued it uh, i lost it at every single step of the way because again the the status quo the 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 duopoly of the of, of, of power in the political system was un, unwelcoming to mm -hmm. new voices and new perspectives. Uh, I represented the Animal Legal Defense Fund, wow. uh, uh, trying to protect river otters in Missouri from the cruelty of uh, underwater trapping. I, had, I actually had some wonderful clients, but I also represented uh, robber barons and scoundrels. Mm -hmm. And at one point, I turned to uh, my wife, Terry, and I said, uh, 
I don't think this is why I was brought uh, on earth and given the gifts that I was given. Mm -hmm. We all have a different constellation of skills. Absolutely. And, And I don't think that I was to use these skills in service of robber barons and scoundrels. And so I uh, went out searching for an exit ramp from my legal career. Mm-hmm. I had five, we have five children, and they were in college and going into college mm-hmm. and all the responsibilities that correspond to being a parent. And But I was lucky because one of my wonderful uh one of my wonderful clients was this herbal company in Vermont called New Chapter. Mm-hmm. And uh, the founder of New Chapter invited me to join him as his partner oh, wow. in, his, in his still fledgling venture. So I, uh, I took the leaf off the entrepreneurial cliff. I, uh, I cashed in all my chips. I invested 100% of my net worth in this little tiny company, and uh, and we had a vision, and the vision was to heal uh, with organic wholeness, to heal with uh, nature's wisdom, uh, to uh, to introduce to the world the the power of the the whole herb. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a new chapter was both a repudiation of the the pharmaceutical approach to uh to medicine the the single molecule designer uh chemistry approach to medicine Mm -hmm. but more emphatically an embrace of healing with organic whole food and um and at the time there was no uh uh, non-gmo project Mm -hmm. Uh, there was no uh, dietary supplement company that had enrolled in the uh, National Organic Program. And the first thing I did when I joined New Chapter was announce to the company that we were going to go non-GMO. Mm-hmm. And I remember people in the company saying, uh, well, what's that? What, what is that exactly? <laughs> right. <laughs> Again, this is before the non-GMO mm-hmm. project, and uh, and I explained what the the heresy of genetic engineering and the the threat that that GMO technology posed to the world. Mm-hmm. And I remember people in the company saying to me, "Well, no one's heard of it in health food stores, and no one cares about that." <laughs> and my reaction was. I care about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a matter of spiritual significance to me that we defend the integrity of of nature and of evolution, mm-hmm. and uh, we need to def- we need to def- define ourselves as a proudly non-GMO company, and we did that. And then the non-GMO project, actually several years later, the non-GMO project uh, 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 took, uh, took life, mm-hmm. uh, 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 announced itself. The little blue butterfly that you see on packaging, mm-hmm. that was created. Um, 
but we were we were first to mm. declare ourselves non-GMO, and we were the first dietary supplement company to enroll our entire range of products in the non-GMO product project. And similarly, oh, similarly, uh, you're good. When I'm on my, when I'm on my cell phone, things happen. I don't <laughs> have, have to say no to, uh, to that. Similarly, um, I remember announcing to the company that we were we were going to go organic. Mm-hmm. A lot of our ingredients were always organic. Mm-hmm. That we were always non-GMO and always organic from the found the, the foundational moments of the company. Mm-hmm. But but to enroll in the organic program, to to actually get third party verified as having your products made with organic ingredients Mm -hmm. that's a mind-boggling mind-blowing crazily expensive and complicated undertaking Mm -hmm. and there's a little bit of a of a a a square peg and a round hole to fit a dietary supplement company into the the national organic uh, program uh, and I can remember, again, people in my company saying, well, you're, it's going to bankrupt the company. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's just, it, it's a, a Herculean feat. It's an impossibility. We can't do it. And, uh, and I was emphatic that we were going to be the pioneering dietary supplement herbal company that would be third-party uh, uh, certified and verified as under the National Organic Program, and we did. Mm-hmm. And as a consequence of, of sticking to uh, my truth with non-GMO and with organic, and with uh, going against the current, the current at the time, the and the dietary supplement world was. Uh, standardizing to individual molecular constituents and trying to be like a drug company. Mm-hmm. And, but the new chapter response was no, we are, we are carrying the torch of traditional healing, mm-hmm. embracing the, the noise and the complexity of whole foods mm-hmm. and, and doing so uh, with respect to the genetic integrity of of evolution and and doing so organically uh new chapter grew and grew and grew and um at one point frankly to my surprise Mm -hmm. uh the company was sold as -hmm. you mentioned Mm -hmm. and um i uh i i opted to get off the uh entrepreneurial uh uh, uh, super highway, mm-hmm. uh, the autobahn. It, it, <laughs> it was not. It was not for me. Mm-hmm. So I uh, I left the world of business, and uh, then had the opportunity. It's a real great blessing to have the the opportunity, uh, an economic foundation that permitted me to devote my my life's work to regenerative agriculture. Mm-hmm. And, and, and natural healing 
uh, from the the vantage point of farming and agriculture. Mm-hmm. So that was in, uh, uh, I remember the moment, that was on uh, uh, June the uh, 8th of 2012. Mm-hmm. And I haven't stopped. And if you meet me, uh, as you did at my farm in Costa Rica, or if you meet me uh, uh, in the coffee shops and tea houses and and uh, farmers markets of the world, I'm going to talk to you about regenerative mm-hmm. agriculture. <laughs> and and you have just gotten my life story, Seth. So yeah. <laughs> I, hope, I hope that's what you had in mind. Yeah, no, that that's beautiful. I, absolutely beautiful. I, I really appreciate it. I mean, there's, I mean, I can find uh oodles of inspiration in, in, in that and and i'm sure we could dissect that and and talk for for days <laughs> just about those individual parts of that story um but as as you're growing up i mean you what what would you say who was who probably the, the most influential person in your life uh growing up that that led you to to be this type of person because like you said you you this was a, a kind of a pioneering um project for you um and and just like you said a hundred percent of your of your life became invested into into this company with and you don't know what's going to happen and like you said yeah you have five kids and things like that i mean that that, that's a big move so um what what kind of who built that who helped you build that foundation for yourself it's that's a fascinating question i i uh i i really don't take the time to (laughs) to uh uh uh, uh, to go through the bone pile of my life, <laughs> do the paleontology yeah. <laughs> to, to reconstruct. Uh, you, you know, obviously, uh, my mother and father, mm-hmm. and uh, my dad was a great gardener, mm-hmm. and uh, I can remember sitting as a really young boy at his side out in the garden and having him talk to me about how you plant. Mm-hmm. And 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 how you you take your hands and and put firm but gentle pressure mm-hmm. uh, on the roots as you're as you're transplanting them. And I I can remember once saying to my dad, uh, you know, Dad, I'm probably all of five years old. Dad, I what can I do to help you? And Dad saying, uh, just sit here and talk to me. <laughs> just just be next to me. Yeah, be as present with him. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I so I grew up with a real appreciation for gardening and for the the beauty of nature. I, I've often said I'm just a complete sucker for the beauty of nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, e. O. Wilson, uh, the the great biologist from Harvard, the the the, the, the Ant Man, uh-huh. uh, the, the 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 person who gave. Uh, language to the superorganisms of uh, ants, bees, and wasps, and the collective consciousness that they bring. Uh, E.O. Wilson writes of our intrinsic biophilia. We, we, we each of us have inside of ourselves a love for the beauty of nature. Mm-hmm. And when, when people have said to me, why are you so devoted to the rainforest and to nature? And I just say it's selfish. It's just, yeah, I understand. <laughs> it's what gives me joy. Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I work to create beauty? Because it's what gives me joy. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really ultimately a very selfish uh, devotion to create beauty in nature. 
so my my mom and dad uh uh mom was was all about building family and mm-hmm. was uh, uh, an, an embodiment of love and uh uh i carry i carry that message with me uh every step i take every breath i take mm-hmm. uh, when i was uh in in college i had a i had a professor merle kling and Merle Kling was, uh, he seemed ancient. I'm, I'm, I'm much older now than he was then. <laughs> but he seemed ancient to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, he taught a course in my sophomore year of college called Politics and the Individual. And um, I could probably uh, recite every book in the syllabus. In fact, in fact, uh, I, I, in fact, I happen to have one of them. Uh, at, at, this is from that syllabus. Mm-hmm. This was uh, 1971 uh, when I when I read this book, and uh, and his his course was was all about all about breaking through the the veil of what politics and government appears to be mm-hmm. and drilling down into the 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 psychopathology uh of politics mm-hmm. hence uh, eric from the i was gonna say the, what, what's the name of that book because it's it's backwards on the screen here so escape from freedom okay so that i think it's, it's basically it's so I, you know i wish i could no it's all good i just that's fine <laughs> uh uh, Eric Fromm writing that people in Nazi Germany were were attracted to the the strength and clarity and 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 handcuffs and boundaries that uh, uh, were presented by the totalitarian, authoritarian, uh, dogmatic, despotic leadership mm-hmm. by the way scary echoes i, I was just going to say that that book is very um i feel like a very critical thing for for people to to read today um because it, it like you said it, it's it's an eerie uh kind of uh or similar kind of shadow <laughs> of that yeah. past right i mean that's why i brought this book out of my old library mm-hmm. and was reviewing it again because it's it, unfortunately what I learned from this book and from Merle Kling and politics and the individual uh, was that uh, was that many people do not like freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, many people are uncomfortable with freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, people want to be put in the box. People, people want to have decisions made for them. Mm-hmm. They want to be uh, in a straitjacket and, and in handcuffs. They don't want the, the latitude to define their own existence. Mm-hmm. The responsibility and, so, and the accountability I, for these things, yeah. Exactly. They want to be told what to do so they're not responsible. And, and, and whether it was Eric Fromm's book, Escape from Freedom, or Harold Laswell's book, Psychopathology and Politics, or Murray Edelman's book, 
politics as symbolic action. Mm -hmm. This is the, this is the syllabus. Yeah. From that class in college. That's fantastic. Fifty years ago, mm -hmm. right? Uh, that class broke the boundaries. It it, it expanded my thinking, and it, at the same time as as Merle Klang is guiding me into the secret world of, of, of what really animates political decision-making, I'm reading uh, Baba Ramdas' Be Here Now. I'm reading uh, uh, the Bhagavad Gita as translated by Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. Mm -hmm. And it's that time, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's meditation, it's drugs, it's music, it's... It's frankly the greatest time that I have ever experienced on the planet. Mm -hmm. uh, people who weren't alive in the 60s, uh, I say to you all, uh, you're in luck because we seem to be about to relive them. <laughs> and it's, it feels great. Uh -huh. uh, and it's scary mm -hmm. because uh, when, when society is pregnant with change, you don't really know what's going to happen, and that that uncertainty is discomforting. Mm -hmm. But that's what the '60s were all about. We we felt that we were midwives of change, and then unfortunately we we stumbled uh, and and we lost the inspiration of the '60s, mm -hmm. and we became trial lawyers and and business people and we 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 forgot the energy mm -hmm. we didn't forget it but it was dormant yeah and, and now it's happening again yeah I think so I... then then uh the next evolution for me was that i was taught meditation mm -hmm. i decided to, to learn about meditation to to there there were different choices uh, for expanding consciousness and for taking control and for and for not escaping from freedom, but for uh, diving into freedom, mm -hmm. diving into the unbounded. And there were different trajectories, different pathways for that. And I chose meditation as mm -hmm. my pathway. And and I think that uh, uh, studying with uh, Maharishi. Uh, was quite an experience, mm -hmm. and was uh, it was definitely a a redefining moment for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, everything uh, everything that I've done since uh, January nineteenth, nineteen seventy three, when I was taught meditate how to meditate. Not that I would remember the date or anything, <laughs> but but everything I've done since then has. Uh, in some respect, been uh, uh, fulfilling the, the the opportunity, the promise of of living a life that that is more enlightened. And by the way, I ain't there, and <laughs> and, and I I don't even I don't even know what there means. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, well, we're constantly learning and 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 understanding and 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 I think what you're doing a really good job of is explaining the ebbs and flows of that we all go through in life, whether it's microcosmically right. on our own in our own life or macrocosmically in the entire planet and in societies and communities all around the world. Uh, and I think it, it's it like you said, it's important to not forget uh, where we've come from, where we've gone through, but also not hold on to those things um, to to grow. 
through them and learn from them. So I, I think that's a really important thing. And I think that's, in my opinion, that, that's what we're going through right now is going to be um, one of our great challenges as a society is, is can we step up to, to the challenge and learn from the things that have gone on in the past versus <clears throat> just succumb to our lack of real freedom, as you were talking about. Um, and and you, you made a perfect seg- segue for me into um, mindfulness and meditation because I know we were talking the other day that you, so you've, like you just described, you've been practicing meditation for 45 years or so. And um, one of the things I, I'd like you to share is what mindfulness actually means to you now. Well, you know, it's it, at this point in my life, it's like brushing my teeth. Uh, <clears throat> It, it is just such a part of my life. Mm-hmm. I, I can't even imagine uh, starting the day or, or living through the day without uh, taking the break to uh, transcend, to go within. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know other techniques of meditating. I, 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 am, uh, I, I enjoy the simplicity of just having chosen a path and... Mm-hmm. And that's that's my path. Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, I I know I know that many people celebrate uh, their their own approaches to to meditation and and spiritual practice. Um, but for me, uh, in a I, you seem to be. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Seth? I'm here. It, 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 the the connection every once in a while get, gets a little slow, but I'm still here. Okay, good. Um, but for me, the uh, the experience of of, of uh, my practice of of, uh, of TM of meditation is is very uh, gentle mm-hmm. and uh, unbounded, and uh, and I I really don't dissect the experience in meditation so much as how it makes me feel mm-hmm. when I come out of meditating. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing it. Uh, I I've done it every single day for uh, forty-seven plus years. And uh, again, it's so much a part of my life that I, I couldn't parse it from my life. And 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 uh, it's just it's just part of who I am. That's beautiful. At this point, okay. And uh, and and through my through my studies with. With uh, with uh, Maharishi and the TM program, I produced Ayurvedic medicine, mm-hmm. and uh, so there, that, that that began to to, uh, to kindle my awareness of the power of herbs for natural healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a, a, a I could draw upon that. As I went into the herbal world, when I when I started at, at New Chapter, mm-hmm. I had a frame of reference because of my 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 perspective having, having some study. Yeah, and your experiences. Uh, of, I, I mean, right, exactly. And and, and it, it, what's great is, I mean, obviously, when you think about a supplement company and things like that, I mean, you, you're thinking more on the physical level, but but you had a deeper understanding uh, that was beyond the physical. As to why, and that, and that's, I would imagine that's why you were so gung ho about non-GMO and doing things um, organically and in the right, in the healthiest way, because um, mind, body, and spirit combined um, is 
to, to me what, what transformation is, uh, is really about. So I, th I think that's a beautiful thing that you've incorporated all these different aspects of your life um, and put them into one. Um, now, when it comes to, to mindful practice... Let me respond. Let me, yeah. Let me, let, let me, let me give you a, a, a little microcosm of that. I, I was in India uh, and I was meeting with a, an Ayurvedic doctor in New Delhi mm -hmm. uh, by the name of, uh, of uh, uh, Balraj Brihaspati Triguna. Mm -hmm. And he was, one of the, he was a giant in Ayurvedic medicine. And I was in his little home in, in Old Delhi. And uh, I, I said to him, I said, uh, uh, Trigunaji, there are people in the United States who believe, who feel that the herb holy basil uh, lifts them from depression. And uh, can you explain for me why holy basil Tulsi uh, could be something that people find helpful in lifting them from depression. Mm -hmm. And Traguna said, holy basil delivers nutrients to the brain necessary to support the experience of enlightenment. So, Seth, it all comes together. Mm -hmm. the, the, the relationship between the plant world and nutrition, consciousness, and enlightenment, just right there in that in that one interaction in the the the, the living room of that doctor in Old Delhi, what we put into our system uh, influences not only the health of our body, but the the vitality of the experience of consciousness and of, nourishes our souls. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's really important what what we eat mm -hmm. and and it's also very important how we grow what we eat mm -hmm. because how we grow it influences the the nutrient density and the nutrient quality of the food mm -hmm. so if you want to if you want to eat something that nourishes your soul and the mind body connection it it, it i believe that it's important not to eat things that are grown with chemical contamination I and that are grown in, in, in disrespect of Mother Earth mm -hmm. because the, the, the intentionality, the, the, the thought force uh, that is responsible for growing the food, I think in some way uh, is translated into the food. Mm -hmm. And we actually have seen over the last 40 or 50 years, a, a regrettable, disastrous diminution of nutrient density in food. Mm -hmm. uh, as a general matter, uh, uh, food today uh, uh, is, is perhaps 30 to 40 percent less nutrient dense yeah. Yeah. Than, it, than foods grown a, a half a century ago. Mm -hmm. And that inf and that influences us. Absolutely. And yeah. and it's not just the macronutrients. We're not talking just about oh, proteins no. yeah, and yeah, carbohydrates. Fat. Yeah. It's those micronutrients. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The, the the antioxidants that that and so how we grow the food, and 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 
the the intentionality and consciousness with which we approach the the agricultural mission that that has an impact in the quality of food that we eat and therefore the quality of our consciousness i i couldn't so, agree more. <laughs> uh, i see a comment on the i see a comment in the, the bottom of the screen mm -hmm. here from vanessa yep full circle uh-huh it is full circle yeah absolutely what how we grow influences the quality of our food influences the quality of our body influences the quality of our consciousness it is a full circle mm -hmm. and and therefore one of the most uh revolutionary acts that can bring about what we saw in the 60s which was at the age of aquarius the age of enlightenment one of the great revolutionary acts is growing food regeneratively growing food in accordance with the laws of mother nature mm -hmm. listening to the mother you know you asked me who influenced me and i said my mother let's let's listen to the 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 wisdom of mother nature Absolutely. and grow food in accordance with her laws mm -hmm. And that food, in turn, will nourish our consciousness. Hundred percent. I, I mean, I, I, I think, um, I, I, it was Nikola Tesla that, that said, th "When you think of things, think of things in, in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration." And mm -hmm. anybody that has a science background knows that that energy, frequency, and vibration is what we're all made out of. And and the energy that goes into Mother Earth and how we grow the plants. I mean, it, it just originates there. I mean, just from from a little seed. And I, I've, of course, the past few months have really had the opportunity to start growing things um, at home. And, and you just see things blossom and bloom. And, and, and it, it, like you said, you, you have a great respect for it. It's a beautiful process. And when we understand that mm -hmm. um, the energy that we put into how we grow something uh, and how we treat something translates throughout the entire process from what's in the earth to us putting that earth into our body because we are one with nature and um I, I think it's really important for us to to understand that not just yeah we know that but really to to take hold of that concept because these things and, and like what you're doing and, and we and we only have the, the, the last segment of this we only have about like 10 or maybe 15 minutes left but uh for this part of the, the of the of the interview um i really want to uh talk have you talk about what regenerative agriculture is and and, and um really give um a, a quick synopsis so people can ha really have a better understanding of, of what it is that is going on in this industry and why well i'm going to do that but first i'm going to riff on one comment you made okay uh, and it also connects back to my earlier comment about biophilia mm -hmm. and selfishness so if you're a if you're a foodie mm -hmm. you go into a, a into a, a a farmer's market or you are a farm stand or you go out into a field and you eat something fresh off the vine or right off the tree mm -hmm. and and you and you smell it and you taste it and and it, it, it's explosively flavorful and the the bouquet is thrilling you see what you're tasting and smelling are the micronutrients, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. So it's a very it's a very selfish act mm -hmm. to grow food well, 
because that's what's giving you the joy, the flavor, the the, the flavonoids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, the, exactly. The bouquet. I mean, polyphenols are aromatic alcohols, mm-hmm. right? So the flavors and the tastes, they're coming from the micronutrients in the food that is grown well. Absolutely. So again, it's a, it's an entirely selfish thing. <laughs> You know, it's not, it's not, we're not, we're not, you know, uh, choosing to be ascetic and to deny pleasure in life. We're embracing the pleasure of life. And the benefits that it brings. (laughs) It's exactly. So it is, so regenerative agriculture. So I just want you to know, so so we have, we have about five or six minutes. So, um, I I really want you to uh, give a a, a really nice brief introduction to what this is because the next part, uh, next week, it's going to be all about this. Um, So, as you were saying, sorry. Regenerative agriculture is agriculture in accordance with the laws of nature. Mm -hmm. It is agriculture that rebuilds and regenerates the life force and the energy in the soil. And everything on Earth, the energy is derived from the sun. Mm-hmm. We are bathed at every moment with with an infinite uh, abundance of, of energy from the sun. And we life has evolved the ability to harvest solar energy via photosynthesis and to then breathe in carbon dioxide and take up water, and then to use the energy of the sun to uh, to deconjugate those molecules and to uh, recreate uh, uh, solar energy in delicious form, mm-hmm. namely carbohydrates. And the carbohydrates are the, are a a storage unit of solar power, which then satisfy the plant's metabolic needs. And then in a healthy farming system or in a forest or in a prairie, the carbohydrates then pass through the plant's roots and are exuded through the roots and feed the soil food web. And the soil food web will be the, the infinite uh, 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 microorganisms, the fungi, the protists, the archaea, the mm-hmm. bacteria, uh, that are that are in the soil and then there's this party that happens in the soil this wild celebration of life as everything in the soil is eating the solar energy delivered by plants Mm -hmm. and then the soil food web uh is eating and excreting and exuding and exhaling and in the process creating new soil new tilth new fertility and at every moment in a healthy food creating system whether it's a forest or a prairie or a seagrass meadow or in a regenerative farm at every moment that that cycle of sunlight and energy and creating rich foods that are feeding not only us but feeding the soil food web feeding the mother respecting mother earth Mm -hmm. and so regenerative agriculture is that system 
which captures the infinite energy that bathes us at every moment so that when we grow food, we are not depleting the soil. Mm -hmm. We are not depleting Mother Earth. We're not taking a plow like a knife and ripping through the flesh of the mother. Mm -hmm. We are, like my dad said, we use firm but loving energy to mm -hmm. plant. We're not, we're not damaging the ecosystem. We are regenerating the ecosystem. So any system of agriculture, and it can be organic, it can be biodynamic, it can be transitional. There are so many systems of agriculture, permaculture, uh, centropic. There are so many names to, to agricultural systems that can regenerate, but the, the benchmark, the indicia of a regenerative ecosystem is that harvest after harvest, there is more organic matter in the soil. Mm -hmm. there, is, there, is, it, there is greater abundance and variety, uh, uh, both in above ground and below ground uh, biological diversity. Remember, we've, we talked about how life is a celebration and we are biophilic. Mm -hmm. Uh, regenerative agriculture is that which increases the beauty and mm -hmm. the abundance of below and above ground biodiversity. Absolutely. So I know we're summing up right now. Yeah, we got a two-minute warning. Four things to look for <laughs> with regenerative agriculture. Mm -hmm. Four things to look for. Are you harvest after harvest increasing soil organic matter? Soil organic matter being the place in which carbon is stored in an ecosystem? Are you increasing the biodiversity both below ground and above ground? Is the soil more effectively managing the rain? Mm -hmm. Is water more effectively infiltrating and filtering through the soil? Is the soil storing the rain more effectively. I, I don't want to cut you off, but it's going to cut us off in a minute. So, um, and again, I, I, I appreciate this so much and I, I, I want to know so much more about it, but, uh, and again, this is all what we're going to talk about next week. So I, again, I don't mean to cut you off, but I got to pick a place to do it. Um, and with 50 seconds left, that, that, that's the time to do it. So, um, I really, really appreciate you coming on here and I appreciate everybody here watching. Um, next week, we're definitely going to dive further into the importance and impact of regenerative agriculture and farming.